0: It's the H Word podcast. Hi, everyone. I'm Becky. And I'm Dan. Um, well, to begin with, hi, Dan.
1: Hi, Becky. Uh,
0: we got some housekeeping to do. We are now an independent podcast, so we're out on our own. If you also want to sponsor us, you're welcome to reach out.
1: Uh, and so that means the email address has changed, right?
0: No, the email address is the same. Oh, that's a good Same
1: email address. Thank you. I should tell
0: people where to find us. The hwordpod at gmail.com. And, um, I'll tell you right now that I've, I've been doing some thinking and, um, we're, we're small and mighty right now. I'm going to try to figure out how to put up a donations button. And for the sake of transparency, eventually it'd be nice for me and Dan to get paid. But right now, the priority will be, um, appearance fees for the people that we interview and, um, I do pay the artists to do the artwork for our social media, but I would like to pay them more. And I've been paying them out of my pocket, and my pocket is now uh, pretty threadbare. Just, and all just the, moths. the coins are all rot- rotten.
1: <laughs> so <laughs> the coins have rotted.
0: Yeah, I've been underwater for a while, and the coins have rotted. So yeah. So yeah, if you're a business who thinks that sponsoring on here makes sense, send us an email, please.
1: Excellent. So housekeeping. Out of the way. The house is perfectly clean,
0: as if it's all cobwebs and rotten coins.
1: <laughs> it's a uh, it's Pirates of the Caribbean that, like, uh, underwater, but not underwater, kind of like ghostly, uh, rotten house.
0: Oh, speaking of Pirates of the Caribbean, I want to plug a friend's. Yeah, pod- I want to pl- plug a friend's podcast that I've never listened to.
1: Oh, play up, great. <laughs> uh,
0: Mark Andrade has a podcast called We Like Theme Parks. I'm- if I said that wrong, I'm sorry, Mark. The reason I think of that is because they got a they had a sponsor he told me I was talking about sponsorship and they had a sponsor that makes candles that smell like different rides. <laughs> 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 and one smelled like Pirates of the Caribbean and I was like, what, real bones?
1: <laughs> <laughs> Smell like different rides, but that's all just like rubber and like <laughs> and like fake smoke.
0: <laughs> I think it smelled like the ethos <laughs> of the ride or something. Anyway, okay. I mean, okay. I, now I'm just plugging a product that we don't have sponsorship from. So weird, fun stink candle company. I mean, I guess
1: yeah, it's not t- if the if the stink candle company is willing to sponsor <laughs> us, we have already given a great testimonial.
0: <laughs> yeah, it smells like we don't know what, but like the ethos of a ride yeah (laughs) but listen to mark's podcast because i love him okay great i don't i don't understand much about theme parks but i love him (laughs) um how have you been dan
1: i've been okay yeah Uh, what's up uh nothing specific um uh i may as well just go into my little hopeful please um, it's not that it's so much hopeful, but it is a thing that ha- it's a, it's an issue that I've felt I've been able to get my arms around, um, which has been, uh, a nice feeling because there's been a lot of issues that I haven't been able to feel like I can get my arms around. Oh yeah. Um, and uh, I will say I, I really loved the Paul Taylor episode last week because that helped really illuminate some things specifically about guaranteed income, guaranteed basic income that I hadn't thought of. Um, Speaking of issues you can't get your arms around, or that I haven't been able to yeah. get my arms yeah. around. Yeah,
0: Paul Taylor's amazing. I'm so grateful that he agreed to do the podcast.
1: Yeah. So my hopeful – this issue is the um, the Harper's letter. Uh, this, is the, um, this is the anti-cancel culture letter that was signed by a bunch of prominent writers. I and...
0: haven't read it yet. I've been a bit overwhelmed with some other things, but please okay. fill me in.
1: I haven't read the letter either, but okay. I get it. Like – Please don't. Please stop canceling us, etc. Uh, is is the nature of the letter. It's signed by J.K. Rowling and Salman you, Rushdie. When, sorry, Margaret when you say Atwood,
0: when you say you get it, you mean you understand the point, not that you agree with it, right?
1: Oh, exactly. Yes. Sorry, I, Sal, I, Salman Rushdie. Salman Rushdie's is in there.
0: Well, I guess he got canceled.
1: He got he got physically the, canceled.
0: I <laughs> told. <Ayatollah? laughs>
1: yeah. Yeah. Um, and then a bunch of, uh, writers, uh, I don't know the list of, I don't know the, the specific list of writers, but I do know that one, uh, black female writer uh, rescinded their signature, um, after the full, uh, nature of the list had been, uh, had, had sort of run its course. Um. Right. But uh, just, li- just listening to Sandy Hudson talk about it on Twitter, um, she is one of the founding members of Black Lives Matter Toronto, and she was illuminating it in just the clearest light where I was like, yes, I do understand this. Um, there was a funny tweet from someone else that was like, you know, it's not cancel culture unless it comes from the sp- uh, specific cancel region of France. Otherwise, it's just <laughs> sparkling consequences. <laughs> and, oh, who uh, was
0: that? We don't
1: I forget. Oh it was no, retweeted. we're not giving credit. Was, that
0: was very, very good.
1: It was retweeted by Desmond Cole. I can look it up while we talk. Okay. Um, and this is this was just. I don't know. It just feels like okay. I understand it in a way that it feels like it can be put to bed now. Every time it comes up, because it was sort of because it's presented by people who you know are good good with rhetoric, etc. Um, it it has this. Um, it has this sort of like nagging ability to sort of rear its head.
0: Yeah, some like Jordan Peterson bullshit.
1: Yeah, exactly. Like if
0: you go not- like blah 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 blah, and then like, but is it also true? It's like no, that's not. You just said a bunch of stuff.
1: Yeah, and 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 so um, so Sandy Hudson talking about um, uh it being like this is such a juvenile argument it's just consequences and it's the fact and 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 what they think they're bringing that's new to the idea is really just further demonstrating their racism and or classism etc because it's like it's actually that they're upset because there's always been consequences there's always been consequences to our actions mm-hmm. and and the fact that they are mad about these specific consequences means that they are um, upset about who the consequences are coming from.
0: Yeah, it's toddler shit too. Oh, you, oh sorry, that takes away who it's coming from, which is a very important point.
1: Yeah, and it's like it's people who don't traditionally hold this power who are who are taking your power away, even though your power has always had the ability to be taken away and always was taken away in in when you when your awful shit was like uh, made public or whatever. Um, it's just that the fact that it's coming from people who you don't think should be able to take it from you—that yeah—is is causing this furor, and I thought that was really, um, uh, really just like ah, uh, yes, just a perfect distillation of of um, the reason we can just put this to rest, which I guess was my hopeful.
0: My friend Maria Erin Jones, who's been on the show before, um, she sent me like a picture just of like something circled on a page from a book called white rage. Um, oh, I don't have the author in front of me cause I didn't know I'd talk about it, but it, it's really stuck with me in the past little chunk, which is, which is, um, white rage is triggered by black advancement.
1: Hmm. Yes. I've seen that.
0: Yeah. And it's understanding that. And, um, yeah. Okay. So for my own self, I've been through some, I've been going through some pretty difficult stuff mm-hmm. it, for myself in the past week. Um, You know, I called somebody out. The fallout's been pretty ugly and pretty painful. Um, I have a lot of support, and that's really beautiful. So this is the the two sides of – we've talked often about the, like, hope and hopelessness. Like, I've found through this that looking back and realizing that so many of the people around me were not who I thought they were, Mm -hmm. and that I was complicit and a part of that, that they were – that I was filling in gaps to the positive – to um, make them better people than they actually were, in my mm-hmm. mind, um, mm-hmm. that's been extremely, extremely painful. And on the other side, looking forward uh, and looking around me right now, like I think I brought this up before, is the gratitude for the people around me is so gigantic at this point. Um But looking forward is so hopeful. And looking around, and I would say anybody in entertainment, look at who isn't having a big reckoning and struggle right now, because that's who has always been doing the work. Hmm. And specifically, I would say, Bad Dog Theater in Toronto.
1: Yeah. Yeah. You're not seeing a lot of, uh, you're not seeing a, a meltdown.
0: No, And moreover, so Bad Dog Theater, this is very niche for anybody else listening, but I want it to be, I want them to be huge. So Bad Dog has a long history and I don't know much about it. Or There's very much I don't know about it, let's put it that way. Um, But Coco Galore is the new, I believe, interim artistic director who literally got her job a week before the lockdown. (laughs) So this is what's happened. Um, Coco's also come up on the show before as someone who's like a real point of inspiration. And, um, She had to take this theater company and turn it into a television station, basically.
1: Right. And
0: has and had all the tools to do what all these other bigger institutions have not done. Um, And we've been watching their shows. And again, their shows are small and mighty in a way. But, you know, they've had a diversity and inclusion director. I'm not sure who it is now. It might still be Ali Rasul, but it was like four years ago for – quite a long time they've done the work to um, dismantle racism and they've been doing it. So they're like ready to go. They have this like wonderful roster of talented people with like a million wonderful shows. And um, I'm so excited because like it, it's actually different. And in some ways there are some advantages to being on stage. So certainly seeing young and emerging performers just have their own TV show now, <laughs> Mm-hmm. they do it's like um well this movie is not without its problematic elements but i'll bring up uhf the weird owl movie yeah um but it's like that it's like cable access it's like new cool <laughs> cable access and um i believe i've got the inside scoop on stuff but like i think they're starting now like archiving their live shows for a week online so i've been watching a lot of their shows live and you can interact with them but this, the daytime shows, I haven't watched Kirsten Rasmussen's show yet, which is called Cardio Wigs. <laughs> I can't remember. <laughs> I'm sorry, Kirsten. <laughs> um, but I watched Aika Kinagawa's show, Aika's Kitchen, where she gets another performer to like bring in a food, I believe, from their culture or one that they like. And then she, not bring it to her, but she orders it from DoorDash, then makes it into sushi and then eats, eats the sushi. <laughs> and there's a, there's a chat while this is happening. And there's like, the, the one I saw was with Ali Arasul. And there was like a cultural chat about um, Filipino food and the culture surrounding this specific dish. And um, same with Ayaka. And then Janice Charlie has a show every Wednesday called High Tea, I believe. Mm-hmm. And he's like, it's it's like it is at four, these are all the afternoon shows. It's at 4:30. And he's like, it's like a shot of caffeine in the middle of the week. And it's just, I mean, it's delightful. It's delightful. And it totally makes me think, like, um th- these are performers who would have been doing this work on stage. Well, Kirsten, I mean, she's more established. She and I were at second city together, but like, you know, that like might have been doing these shows on stage for a really small audience. Now they have the entire world. They can have guests from across the planet.
1: Yeah. And, and there's a, um, there's a, there's a leveling of the playing field, even in terms of the way that that theater operated. Like, um, that the, the access is, I don't know. I I guess like I guess everything gets sort of put onto the channel and has the same access as opposed to, um, you know, you get a you get a like uh, Wednesday at 7 p.m. slot. And it's like that's your one slot. And it's like you have to get people out of the house to come and see you there. And so it's like just getting everything under that same umbrella with the same level of access for all shows I think, um, really helps as well.
0: Well, yeah. And I'm watching shows with ITOR, and I was like, I would never be able to drag ITOR to like three improv shows a week. Yeah. (laughs) And watching ITOR become a fan of like Daphne Joseph, (laughs) like, you know, this is what's happening now. And so they're they're also like, you know, in, in Toronto, there are no truly accessible venues also. So like, this changes accessibility in a way. If you're an anxious person who doesn't like crowds, that's gone. Like, this is the new movement that I'm seeing that's super excited and it really lays waste to that story of like, well, there wasn't anyone to hire. Who are these people who, you know, it's like, no, like, <laughs> and there's more shows emerging and like bad dogs, just one example is the one that I know I'm sure there's other um, examples out there, but it's just been so inspiring to see what Coco's doing there and what everyone's doing because like individuals are writing entire shows in their homes. And I will also say, um Ajanis also developed an app to track police activity
1: yes i saw that so i will link to cop that out.
0: it's called the cop out so we'll link to that too but like you know and he's making music videos and he's making writing his own comedy show and he's like you know everyone's here yeah. <laughs> the yeah. talent's here yeah and it's got a bigger platform now
1: He's uh, – watching him perform uh, – I had that um, that thing that happens where you're like, oh, this is the new wave. I watched him do a um, – it was a, a variety show. It was like – I think it might have been Disaster or something uh, where it's like a bunch of acts put together and um, and – he was just this performer that was like he was doing this bit where he was having a fake allergic reaction.
0: I saw that one. Oh my god, it uh, it t- terrified me. Yeah, I was so and, angry,
1: but, but it was so I, good. Wa- I was angry, but I just had to respect the caliber of realism that yeah, he brought I forgot about to that, that. performance. Um, where I was like, "Whoa, that is that's when you see a, a young actor, and you're like, There's they got something special.'"
0: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely, and Ayaka too. Like, like those are just two examples. Sorry, Kirsten, I just already seen you. <laughs> We've worked together. <laughs> yeah, you're you're brilliant. Um, but uh, okay, this is interesting. So t- today's show, uh, in spite of whatever else is happening in the news that I have been too stressed out to pay attention to. Oh, um,
1: you mean COVID?
0: <laughs> I thought it was gone. <laughs> Oh, yeah. Um, just everything. I've been a bit too overwhelmed. Uh, but today's show really focuses on performance. It's uh, The interview I have is with um, a woman who was, for a brief time, my clown collaborator. Ah. Um, and the one thing I realized we didn't say in the interview that I'd like to say is that she and I, as a duo, we talked about it after we were done. And I was like, oh, we should have recorded this. But we... We we I was like, we, are, we were such an impossible fit. It, like these two clowns made no sense together. We had sort of trained in the same but different ways and had developed ex- quite different styles. So for instance, I was a low status clown who, surprise, surprise, cried all the time. And <laughs> <laughs> I mean, all the time. I had to stop clowning so that I wouldn't cry all day and all night in my life. But, um, but I spoke English. And she was a high status clown who spoke gibberish. Oh. this was a duo that somehow worked and she would, yeah, abuse me and I'd love her. <laughs>
1: like, I mean, that kind of sounds maybe like it would work perfectly it also. It did. Yeah.
0: But we were put together by a woman named Lisa Pijuan, um, Lisa Pijuan Nomura, and Helen and I were like, there's some kind of magic. Well, Helen doesn't like magic, I say. There's some kind of magic there. Um, that's the other thing. Helen is a skeptic and I'm a, like, whatever I am. <laughs>
1: Fully operational mystic.
0: Yes, I'm, I'm, like, I'm not the highest level of witch, but I'm somewhere in there. Um. Yeah. But like all of these things, and it was just a beautiful um, collaboration, and um, talking to her about a lot of things. Fantastic. Yeah.
1: This has been such a great stretch of interviews. Uh, I look forward to another great one.
0: Oh, thanks. I miss being in the studio with you. Maybe someday. Hey, remember you uh, asked to do an episode of Just Us? Yeah, I remember that. Someday. <laughs> okay, bye, then.
1: <laughs> okay, bye.
0: Hi, everybody. It's Becky. I'm back. And I am delighted to be joined from, I would say, Upper Parkdale, my friend, Helen Donnelly. Helen, hello. Hi. I always say Upper Parkdale, too. Oh, good. Um, how you doing? <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's a bit of a relative question. I always giggle because I never know how to respond. Um, today, I am doing quite well.
0: Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Well, maybe we'll unpack that a bit more we'll as we go it. on. Sure. Um uh, why don't you introduce yourself? I like to get my guests to do it in their own words. Who are you on this planet? What's your deal? What do you What do you like? Okay. Um, hmm.
2: I am. I identify as a cis white woman. Uh, so far, I'm kind of run of the mill. <laughs> the more interesting <laughs> aspect of my myself is I I also identify as um, as a clown. I'm a I'm a theater, circus and healthcare clown. Um, so my work has taken me uh to really exciting places and and people and things, um, you know, uh including Cirque du Soleil and um I was the resident clown of Circus Orange for almost 10 years, and uh in terms of healthcare clowning, um I've been a therapeutic clown for 15 years. Um That came much after uh, clowning in circus and theater, but I'm so glad it found me. And um, that's been, I would say, a primary focus for the last, say, 10 years. Um, It's taken me to, yeah, like presenting at uh, uh, healthcare conferences worldwide and um, training. I built a school for therapeutic clowning. I... I now run a non-profit called Red Nose Remedy, so I'm an artistic director. What else am I? I'm a filmmaker. I, I did a, a, a therapeutic clowning um, documentary film about how we recruit and train therapeutic clowns at Holland Bloorview Kids Rehab Hospital, where I, where I currently am on leave from. And, uh, um, yeah, I, I don't consider myself a writer, but I do write a lot. Um, I... I love to sing. I, I used to dance. Um, I still try to move my body as much as I can. Um, I love nature. I'm a huge yeah. nature nut. I I think you know that. And I, <laughs> I, yeah, about 20 years ago, I took up bird watching. I'm not a birder, but I'm a bird watcher. There's What's a the difference? difference? To me, birders, these are the people that really know their stuff. They've got expensive equipment. They... They refer to birds by their Latin names. These are birders. I am not a birder. <laughs> I don't have the equipment. I have like a lousy piece, you know, pair of binoculars that do me just fine. And yes, I keep a list, but not religiously. Yeah, I, I just really appreciate being out in the woods and the meadows and and trying to, trying to, it's the, it's the thrill of the sighting, right? So that's a little bit about me.
0: My gosh, so there's so much, I don't actually know where to start. I told you before we were recording, I was like, for you, Helen, I didn't prepare. So oh. I guess let's tell the people listening, like, Helen and I know each other because we did some duo clown work together starting about... Early eight, 2000s? 18, yeah. 17 years ago, something like that. Yeah. Um, we worked as a clown duo, which was really lovely. Um, in the clown world, there's high status and low status clowns. So in our collaboration during that time, I was... Uh, I was quite young and like doing this sort of crying, low status, impossible <laughs> clown in Ruby. And then Foo would, uh, I don't know, hit me on the head with a sausage. <laughs> so.
2: As is my oh. want.
0: <laughs> uh, yeah, I was totally in love um, where our cl- my clown was just like, it's, there's so much to talk about in clowning. I honestly don't know where to begin because we, we were both inside it, me less so than you at this point. Yeah, it's it's pretty it's it's pretty fulsome, isn't it? Yeah, I honestly don't know where to start. I know too much about it, and I don't know what to tell people. Um, yeah, so, yeah. so okay, how about this? Um, speaking first about performance, like theatrical clowning, mm-hmm. what what to you are the spiritual aspects of it? I suppose. You know, I don't ever use that word uh
2: yeah that's yeah. interesting
0: too mm-hmm. I'm I,
2: oh yeah a big part of my identity by the way is uh i'm I'm a skeptic and I'm an atheist
0: right and, that, and I, my first question I totally <laughs> forgot <laughs> that's
2: okay um it's very funny because I know you don't do this but I have some friends that argue the point they kind of say but you are very spiritual and I'm like oh, no no I'm no, not no, no. I'm, I'm yeah. really not and they're like no but look at all the good that you do in the world and I'm like that that's not at all in term like that's not that's separate from spirituality um yeah i i i kind of i i just end up sort of saying hey if you want to label it a certain way that's totally your jam and that's up to you <laughs> but but that's not how i identify i certainly don't identify as a spiritual person at all yeah, yeah. i know i should
0: not i should have done okay. that okay i'm
2: just kind of allergic to the word but anyway
0: um yeah, well, yeah, cuz for me like I consider the work of clown very spiritual and interesting. But I'll also also believe that like you said I'm I'm not going to try to convince you of anything, but I also believe that uh, we all have our own um feelings and relations to these things and they are I believe they are all correct. <laughs> yeah, yeah.
2: I would say um I w- I would say I would say this this is as far as I can go, uh, that for me the, the power behind the clown or the act of clowning is a very humanitarian gesture. Mm. That's what I would say. I would use the word humanitarian in all senses of the word. I think it, it does a lot to, he, to, to try to heal or to name or to address uh, certain societal um, uh, ills and uh, and I, I think it's a very powerful tool, and I think it's something that we need more of these days, <laughs> frankly, you know yeah, uh, not just in terms of satire, but also in terms of you know just a just a breath or a or a presence um, of something joyous or alternative, or you know just to to introduce something more to the human equation than you know, just scrabbling among ourselves. There's something um, not lofty about it, but there's something that's very other about it. That's very appealing to,
0: especially to um, those who have less of a voice. Mm, other. I haven't thought of it in those terms. I also have not thought about clowning nearly as much as you have or done it as much. Um. Yeah. And you know what? I think probably my my definition of
2: clown changes daily as well. <laughs> yeah uh, you yeah. know I think, it, I think I think that's part of its power too is that there's it, it doesn't it doesn't stagnate. It, it needs
0: to evolve every single day that you're doing it. So I guess if the base question is you know you to me anyway, are a person who's very active, um, opinionated, hardworking. Why was clown the choice?
2: It's funny because I, you know, I, I did the theater school thing and I did the agent thing and, you know, I went from gig to gig with my agent and I just didn't like the impermanence of of that kind of existence, you know, like you you audition, you get into a, a, a show, you've got this really tight community for, you know, six weeks maximum and then it just dissipates and you don't see those people anymore and you're on to the next project. So I didn't like huh. that that sense of, oh, I, I don't have a community. I'm just going from family to family, but I don't belong anywhere. And I I think I just wanted to, you know, sink my teeth into physical theater. So I was thinking, as a lot of theater school people do, oh, you know, Grotowski maybe, or, you know, something something really, really grueling and physical. Um and I was, you know, I was going to go to Russia and study there, and and then somebody I can't remember who said, oh, but there's a physical theater uh, training uh, uh, school here, right here in Toronto, didn't you know? And I did, I hadn't heard about um, the pachinko uh, training aspect of of clowning, and I so I investigated it, and I started learning, and the more I learned, the more I learned how impossible an art form it was in terms of really nailing it. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. And you can relate. I mean, it's yeah. just, it's impossible. It's impossible to do well. And I think uh, just the stubborn part of me was thinking, well, I'm not going to move on until I've mastered this. This is ridiculous. I, I have to I have to be able to succeed somehow in, in this art form <laughs> before I move on. So, you know, I'm still chipping away at that. (laughs) And it's such a challenge. And it's, I love, I love the impermanence of it. I love how slippery it is. I love how, um, that you're always learning. You're learning about yourself. You're learning about your audience. Your mind is always being fired on all cylinders. Um, It's a physical way of expressing yourself which is so wonderful and so freeing uh, yeah. because dialogue has very little to do with humor. Um, so I I love all of that stuff and I, I just was hooked and I very quickly, I remember just, you know, firing my agent and just going <sighs> on my own and just, you know, it became my own boss. I had my, my own theater company and yeah. So ever since about 95, I've, I haven't been a, A a normal actor. I've just been,
0: just been clowning. So, this is also interesting. That that it's it's an art form that requires that you understand that it can't be achieved.
2: Yeah, yeah. I think once you accept that, it'll never. There'll never be a time where you go, ah, now I understand, and I'll proceed from there. That you're always going to land on your ass.
0: You know. you know, I cannot stop applying spiritual thinking to this. <laughs> okay. I, I can't, but hey man, the, I wouldn't change you for the world. Oh, I love you, Helen. But the but the but, but the I thing but you. <laughs> even so, you've what you've said about it being you and the body and physical. Honestly, it are, it already has had an impact on me because you know, spiritual thinking is placing those things out all outside of yourself, hmm. right? like this is what i'm getting right now and it is us it's this is when you call it humanitarian instead of spiritual yeah this is this is big for me helen thank you oh cool (laughs) thank you guess what talking to your friends is good for you right (laughs) um so what's your ideal environment in which to perform clown or do clown if perform isn't the right word
2: Um, you know, uh, overall working for myself, I really love, I really love to know that I, I can, I can achieve my goals, uh, in, in a way that makes the most sense for me, um, sharing it, you know, if I'm doing it alongside a friend or a colleague, that's, that's wonderful. I love collaborating. Um, uh, and, and also, you know, when you work for yourself, and mostly by yourself, then um, the things that go right, well, that's kudos on you. And then the things that go wrong, you have only you to blame, you know, so it's accountability too. And then in the healthcare world, I mean, I'm, I'm, I've got my foot in two different worlds. So one is working for a hospital. And the other is working for uh, myself and my my uh, colleagues who I hire, um, so those are very different ways of, of working in terms of healthcare clown work that I do. So, with a nonprofit, your your training and um, so for my nonprofit, it's called Red Nose Remedy, and yeah. uh, we're a, th- a therapeutic clown company um, offering our services to vulnerable populations around Ontario. I see. Um, so. Uh, Pre-COVID, we were on the units serving clients, uh, two, two clowns with one client, you know, times however many clients in the in the hours that we have at the site. Um, Post-COVID, right now we're trying to transition our services to virtual visits, um, so that that's going to be interesting. How's and it going? <laughs> oh, you're transitioning it now. Yeah, yeah, we're just in the middle of the logistics that go into that. Um, so yeah. that's you know it's 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 not it's not the same it's not the same kind of visit it's not the, it's gonna it's not gonna have the same sort of impact but it's gonna have an impact for sure and yeah. you know frankly it's it's opened up a lot of doors in terms of you know down the road we can we can get contracts like way way up north um, we can serve smaller communities that otherwise wouldn't ever. Be able to access therapeutic clowning, you know, because it's going to be online, um, and you know, live, almost like a Zoom type situation. Yeah. So yeah, more on that once we get going. But uh, you know, there's COVID's brought a lot of challenges. I mean, we've been on hiatus since March, um, and that's you know, that's frustrating for for me as an artistic director because. The whole reason why why I started this is to employ artists, right? So it's frustrating to not be doing that right now, but it's exciting to know that that,
0: that's going to happen in the future. Oh, um, because I don't think many people listening will understand, what what does a therapeutic clown visit look like?
2: Yeah, so um, we are specially trained clown artists, who are uh, trained to assess in in a in a matter of m- moments assess a, a client's you know cognitive, emotional, physical well-being. Um, we're 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 here to to maybe transform the environment somehow, uh, maybe create a, a joyous connection with with our client. Um, you know, depending on the age of the client, a visit can look very, very different, you know, from Mm -hmm. an infant, you know, maybe we'll do just do like, uh, very fun, appear, disappear peekaboo games, you know, Mm -hmm. very basic music, musical numbers that might activate their, their, their motor functions, um, their cognitive functions, uh, to like a, You know, it could be like a a self-harming teen who is refusing um, any other program. But because we're improvisers, we can, you know, find what it is in them that that might be of interest. Um, My favorite anecdote for for a teenager like that would be to this is one of our favorite gambits is to just be just outside of their room but still within their line of vision. And we'll just me and my partner will start up an argument about whatever. It doesn't matter. But we'll start <laughs> up an argument loud enough for them to hear. And then once I can see out of the corner of my eye that they're kind of leaning forward and finding out what, what it is that's going on outside their room, then I'll turn to them and I'll say, excuse me, do you mind? We're in the middle of something here. Is <laughs> you know, come on. And then what I'm doing in that in that in those few seconds as I'm assessing their reaction, are they kind of going to just roll their eyes or are they going to laugh a little bit or like, what is the in, um, what kind of humor do they have? Um, I mean, they're, they're old enough to know that we're just grown ups dressing up, um, being idiots. So is that, is that something that they, they think is kind of cool or, or, you know, it might take weeks to build up a relationship in order to, to come into their room, um, and then you know uh, it might be um, working with adults with intellectual disabilities. In which case, there's a lot of uh, skills that we can use um, to to make a connection. People with uh, multiple disabilities, uh, you know, if they aren't sighted, there's a lot of things that we can uh, use in, in terms of auditory stimulation. Um, uh, it, and this is all to do with you know. Um, knowing who your client is, knowing what their, um, what their diagnosis is, and knowing what they what they like, what what is it that they, they love to engage with, it might be, uh, it might be something like a, a physical stimulation, it might be something like, you know, with people who are multiple, um, with multiple disabilities, who might not react very overtly, um, you know, maybe it's something as simple as vibrations on their, on their wheelchair and, and mm. see if they react to that. Um, uh, so it can be very, very subtle work and then it can be really, really robust and, uh, uh f- you know, kind of flourishing work like, like we do with elders with dementia, um, yeah. where we might, we might be dancing in front of them, uh, you know, uh, one on the ukulele and one dancing up a storm and sort of seeing what it is that that stimulates them and that that connects them to the world again. So, yeah, it's kind of like bringing humanity back into healthcare. Uh,
0: in short. It's amazing. Uh, the There's so many beautiful images there. But the teen, I think that's that's a great story that really kind of hammers it home because, you know. Um, clown means the word clown means a lot of different things to a lot of different people, but you know, a teen, (laughs) especially later in their teens or any part of their, like having a clown show up. Yeah. And (laughs) I need to strategize. Yeah. And I wanted to add for those, um, who don't know
2: what therapeutic clowning is all about. Um, overall, we don't wear any makeup, very little or none. I myself have never worn makeup as a therapeutic clown. Um, oh, so I didn't just, even know that. Yeah. So it's just the nose and then, you oh, know. Oh, you have the nose. Okay. Yeah. The nose. Yeah. And the nose is important identifier because um, for, for people with dementia, it's been, it's been, there's been a lot of studies about why the relationship between a cl- the clowns and someone with dementia is so different than, huh. than with uh, a regular staff person with no nose, right? Because the nose, the clown nose, is an identifier of fun. Uh, they, they, they just know from past experience. They may not remember us. They may not remember our names or anything about us, but they see the nose and boom, like the eyes just go to our face and they know, okay, this is going to be fun. I'm going to have fun now. Something in them just turns on. And it's just amazing to see the transformation. Right. And like, like
0: with this teenage scenario, two people fighting outside your room yeah. isn't fun. Two clowns fighting yeah. outside <laughs> your room. is, <isn't...
2: laughs> Yeah, <laughs> because they know. The nose, the they, nose just changed it. Yeah. yeah. They know in an instant, okay, these are two grown grown-ups pretending to fight with a nose on, but they're doing it for me. So all, that's all happening in their head at the same time, you know, and, yeah. and then they can decide, you know, the idea for therapeutic clowning um, at its core is to put our clients in the driver's seat to give them power because, you know, once you're, once you're in healthcare, you have very little power um, mm. and very few choices, you know, your choices become so limited and men we're going to get into it, but can I ever relate? So, you know, it's the idea is to how to, how to make them the leader of the play. Um, you know, even if it's, you know, them choosing to kick us out of the room, that's a great, great offer. So agency. Oh, it's amazing. So we're right, sir. Yep. Off we go. We're we're leaving now never to come again, you know, And, (laughs) and off we go. And, uh, You know, and we praise, we praise clients that, that have shown that agency and, um, and we thank them for kicking us out. We thank them for firing us. You know, there's a lot of (laughs) pretend firing that happens, right? You're fired, you know, especially among the younger kids. Um, or, you know, I've had elders with dementia fire me many times. It's been great, you know, and, uh, um, or hiring me, me back. Oh, I changed my mind. Come back in there. You whippersnapper. You know, and then off we go again. So, and I think a lot of it is to do with, you know, offering choices that, through your investigation into into their um, their profile, you learn a little bit about about them. You know, mm-hmm. do they love rap? Do they? Do they love, you know, if they're an elder, do they really love jazz, you know, and or whatever, whatever it is, um, music, tastes, uh, talks, conversation, uh, a favorite toy, you know, it, it just so depends, everyone's so different. And so you just learn to personalize each visit, so that it, it's meaningful for them. It's not about you, it's about them. Right. And if I may, why no makeup? because makeup is tricky um, you know there's a lot of emotional um, reaction uh, to to a de- to any degree that that your potential audience may have about clowns and makeup um, I know I do I have I have both positive and negative reactions according to you know depending on what what clown makeup I'm I'm viewing. Um huh. there's a <clears throat> there's a really tricky history about about the makeup of clowns that um that stems from the United States and then was later adopted by us here in Canada and around the world. Um so yeah, it's 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 tricky. It's not it's not w- needed. What do you mean? Like w- where are the roots? Well, there's a lot of roots in terms of, you know, um, minstrelsy and, and circus. Yeah. Um, there's a direct correlation between, you know, blackface and circus. Um, so, you know, there would be a lot of, there was a history of, um, white performers, uh, using either blackface or a very colored face with like exaggerated lips you know, outlined in white, um, yeah. you know, that, that has direct minstrelsy, um, roots. So for me, uh, you know, it's, clowning has thankfully evolved, um, but we still have a long way to go. But what we can do is we can, we can, um, uh, re what, what clown is for, you know, the 21st century and, uh, and, and find ways of making that joyous connection without the baggage. You know, for me, it's, it's a real case of like, just do away with all of those tropes and reimagine ourselves, um, for a new century, um, remembering where, where we were and not forgetting about it and learning from it. And, uh, so I think that's, that gives a lot of um, artists of all color a chance to uh, reimagine what it is for us now.
0: Um, do you and, do you yeah. wear makeup in performance
2: clowning? I do. I do. And yeah. Uh, not,
0: yeah, I do. Well, I do. and you and I, came, you mentioned um, pachinko, which is like a whole, we could just do hours on. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> The pachinko clowning, which a bunch of you will never have heard of. But it's – actually, it's interesting, too, and it's not without its problems.
2: It's not without its problems. Yeah. And, uh, and because of my health state, frankly, I don't know if I'll ever be able to get back to that kind of clowning where I'll be donning the makeup. So um, because of COVID, too, right? It, theater's kind of on hiatus, but uh, – well, let's talk. Let's talk about your health. But my health, yeah. So I was diagnosed over a year ago, um, in mid June, with uh, stage three multiple myeloma, which is a, it's a, uh, it's a blood cancer. It's a rare form of blood cancer, whereby the plasma cells um, have turned. Uh, Cancerous, and they start to grow cancerous cells by the by the bucket loads, and and it over it overtakes your um, your uh, the, the healthy cells in your bloodstream. So, um, what I what I've just come through is a year's worth of first um, sixteen weeks of low dose chemo, and then I did two stem cell transplants where. Oh, it's such a fascinating and horrific thing, but it's yeah. As a as a sci- as a lover of science, I have to say it's mostly fascinating. <laughs> so <laughs> what they do is they they um, inject you with this really crazy drug that releases the stem cells that live in your bone marrow. They're just that's where they are. Stem cells grow new new cells. That's their job. And so the idea for these, uh, for this medication is it releases them from their cozy home in your bone marrow and issues them out uh, into your bloodstream. So they're just free-flowing, swimming in your bloodstream. Then you go once, once so many millions, I don't know how many millions, have to be in your bloodstream, um, and there's a test for that. Then once you've hit that minimum amount – they siphon off the stem cells from your bloodstream, and they and they store them. And how that happens is pretty horrific. You're you're kind of in a, um, in, a in a device. Uh, um, uh, you're sitting down in a chair, and out from your left arm, um, you're you're being your all of your uh, your plasma cells and your stem cells are being siphoned out of your left arm through a machine where it where it separates the plasma cells from the stem cells and stores them. And then your blood goes back into your right arm. So you're just in this machine for about six hours. Oh my God. And you're not allowed to move your arms for six hours. So I had my mom come and, you know, she would feed me and, you know, just kind of entertain me. <laughs> Until, oh my gosh.
0: Yeah. Oh my gosh. The tables have turned. Yeah.
2: Yeah. It was, uh, yeah, it was amazing. So, so I survived that. <sighs> and then, um, and then what happens is that you get, uh, uh, I think a couple of weeks later, you're, 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 um, back in the hospital for, um, high dose chemo and that only takes about 15 minutes for the high dose chemo to go into your system. What it does is it wipes out entirely your, your um, bone marrow. And with it, all of your vaccinations that you've been having since babyhood. So basically, it just kind of turns back the clock, immunity wise, you're just completely wiped out. What the reason why they're doing that is because it's you know, my cancer is born in the bone marrow, so they have to wipe it out. They have to just erase it. Um, and then because your, your, your body can't live without stem cells, as we know, or as we're learning,
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um,
2: uh, you can only, you have to go back into the hospital t- t- no longer than, you know, 48 hours later and get your stem cells back into your bloodstream. Uh, once they're in their bloodstream, they swim back into your bone marrow and they start growing, hopefully, non-cancerous blood this time. So uh, it sounds like a lot. It was a lot. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, yeah. And and I had to do that twice. So my first stem cell transplant was in November, and then my second one was in February. Um, and the second one went so much worse so much worse than the first one. The oh first one I only had about, it was up to like 20 side effects. And I, the first time around, I only had like four. Um, the second time around I had about 12 and I was hospitalized for a week. Um, I had, uh, I developed pneumonia. I had a high fever that just wouldn't go down. Um, and it was, it was, it was, it was bad. <laughs> it was really bad. Yeah. Um, but I got through it and, uh, uh, right now i'm I'm in what we call temporary remission um, which means that i'm I'm slowly getting my vaccinations back. Um, uh-huh. It'll take another year and a half to get them all back um, uh, and because I'm a frontline worker in healthcare I'm not I'm not permitted to work on the front lines until all of my immunity is back so I'm on disability um, which is uh, you know financially very, uh, very, uh, strange and, and scary times. And, uh, and the, the ultimate scary part of all of this is, uh, I, I'm in a category of multiple myeloma. That's not such a great category. I'm called high risk multiple myeloma, which means that those of us in this category, which is only about 4% of all multiple myeloma patients are high risk. It means that our, um, our ability to stave away the cancer is, is, uh, is, is very maligned. So we uh, my prognosis is four years, um, give or, give or take. So um, I, yeah, I'm the best outcome for me is more than four years. Um, And, you know, the, the great news is that it looks like I've bought at least two more years because oh. the the two stem cell transplants look like they 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 battened down the the numbers of myeloma cells in my body to a degree that you can barely see them. So there's they're like microscopic numbers, which is great. Mm. So it's probably bought me another two years before this cancer comes back and this cancer always comes back with multiple there's there's no cure. So it's kind of a numbers game. And, you know, the idea is to, is to just hope for the best hope, hope that your, that your body, you know, really, you know, I'm on, I'm on a, 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 very scary drug called Revlimid right now. And it's, uh, fortunately it has very few side effects, which is great. Um, but what it's doing is it's kind of, you know, staving the the numbers of myeloma cells at bay. It's kind of keeping them at bay um, as long as that's effective. Um, so I'll be on Revlimid until the cancer comes flooding back, and then, and then we'll just go from there. Uh, because there's no cure, I'll just be on whatever medical program uh, is happening in two years' time, or, you know, it might be... Might be more than two years before it comes back. Might be less.
0: So um, it's it certainly had an impact on my life. <laughs> how does um how does that time limit how, how what's that done to you?
2: Yeah, it's profound.
0: Um, you know, the the
2: idea that I'll never see sixty is bizarre, and it's uh, it's something that never, frankly, never occurred to me. I've I've always carried around the assumption because I come from very healthy stock that I would be teaching clown into my nineties. You know, I, yeah. I just thought I'd be one of those batty old women that, that would just be refusing to, to retire because frankly, I couldn't afford to retire ever anyway. So yeah. I'm just like, yeah. like most artists, we just kind of go, well, we're, we're going to, we're going to be working until we're dead. So, you know, that's just something that I always figured was going to be my fate. And then at the same time, um, like the only positive that I can see is that it's, it's a, it's alleviated all of that worry of, oh my gosh, what if I had a, you know, a long-term disability like dementia or something, and I couldn't afford, you know, a really nice place to live. And I'd be stuck in one of those, you know, you know, sharing a room with six other people with just a curtain around my bed. Like that would be my fate until I die. And I couldn't afford even that, you know, so I I was carrying around a lot of worry about my old age, more than I acknowledged. Um, Hmm. And I think as an as artists, we we probably on some level, whether conscious or unconscious, we are carrying around an awful lot of of, you know, uh, yeah, like financial weight. And so that has been lifted I, I no longer worry about money, even though I'm, I'm in, I'm in a, a bit of a sticky financial time right now, but I, I'm not sweating those things anymore, yep. which is kind of interesting. Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
2: but I, I want to see 60 and I, and I
0: won't. So that's a bizarre thing. Yeah. it's weird. Yeah. Uh, has it made you relate to the present any differently?
2: Yeah. I'm no longer sweating the small stuff. Um, yeah. yeah, I, I think I probably did. Um, as just as a person, I was a bit of a warrior. Um, I constantly worried about what people thought of me or what people thought of my work and worried about, you know, if I had slighted anybody consciously or unconsciously, Oh my right. gosh, you know, I, you know, how can I make it up to them? And, you know, feeling, and I still do feel very responsible for people that I, I, encounter people I work with, all that kind of stuff. But because I'm on disability now and because I'm, my workload is is vastly different than what it was. I was a bit of a workaholic. Um, yeah. so that's, it's changed my, my working life and my relationship to working. Um, yeah, it's, it's just, it's changed everything. It's, uh, it's altered. It's altered how I, how I view, you know quality of life and what does that mean to me right now and um what's important what's the most important thing in my life right now and where do i want to put my energy and what what am i willing to give up uh without a fight um <clears throat> so yeah it's it's a very very tricky time because those questions keep keep shifting and changing and i i think a part of it too is just allowing those changes to be made and not, not judging them too much. And, um, but, uh, yeah, I definitely like my, my days of a, as a workaholic are over.
0: (laughs) Yeah. We're going to go for a walk. We're going to (laughs) go for a walk, you know,
2: and, and, uh, and that's okay. You know, it's okay for me to take a day off and not think about red nose remedy or not think about the work that I'm losing out on you know at Holland Blurview because the clowns are still uh, serving on the units there and, and are they? Yeah, they never did stop. Um, really? Yeah, and at Sick Kids too, they never did stop. Most m- uh, most therapeutic clowns around the world went virtual almost right away. Like right. by May, most most clown companies had gone virtual. So we're, uh they were in the minority, but you know, as an artist, I kind of go good, good for you guys. That's amazing. And then, you know, just as, as someone who's really, really keenly missing the work, it's, yeah. it's been, it's been a journey of accepting, okay, that's not me right now. And will it ever be me, you know, because I, by the time I get my immunity back, the cancer might've come back. So, you know, that, that, you know, facing those realities have been really tricky for me, I have to say. and and yeah. there's no there's no way to face it in any way that's gonna that's gonna be good for me. <laughs>
0: you, know, <it's> just, <laughs> you know, you just kind of go, it's a struggle. What can I tell you? You know well, yeah, you posted you posted a lot of really great stuff on Facebook. Um, and you posted something about like, don't say I lost the battle. Oh yeah. Yeah. Do you want it?
2: Yeah, the, the warrior language, uh, especially when it, uh, when it pertains to cancer, doesn't work for me. And I can't speak, I'm not speaking on behalf of all cancer patients. I have lots of friends with cancer who love the warrior metaphor. You know, yeah. um, you're a warrior. You're, you've got this. Uh, you're kicking its butt. And then when they die, you know, she lost the battle to cancer Uh, She brave, you know, she bravely fought, but she ultimately lost, you know, for me, it's, it's a, it's, for me, um, it's pretty damaging, you know, to to kind of, you know, it's, it's a bit insulting to, to your friend, you know, who, who has, um, if you want to use battled it for so long, and then ultimately lost the battle, it's, uh, for me, it's just, it's just as harmful as I I'm not a sports person at all. So forgive me if you are, but <laughs> I'm <I can't> not. <laughs> okay. Okay. But I, I find sports quite harmful, um, in so many ways it's misogynistic. It's, it, you know, that kind of lose win, lose kind of, um, yeah. dichotomy is, is, I think it's, it's harmful. I, I just don't, I can't get my head around it. I've never been a sports person. I've never followed sports. I don't like what it does to people. I don't like what it does to society. I don't like that it detracts from politics. Anyway, we could get, that's a whole other rabbit hole, but.
0: Well, yeah, it's like, maybe we got to, maybe we got to really take a good look at competition and performative competition. I think. Yeah. And see if
2: it's valid. And I don't think for me, like for me, it certainly isn't valid for my my cancer experience. And I never call it a journey. I made the mistake of calling it a cancer journey while I was like in a waiting room at princess Margaret hospital, which is the cancer hospital here. So amazing by the way. Oh my God. Um, so I was, I was in the waiting room and I was sitting next to a woman. Um, this is way pre COVID probably last year in August And we just struck up a conversation. And during the conversation, I referred to it as our cancer journey. And she's like, it may be your journey. It's my forced march. Don't ever (gasps) call it a journey. (laughs) Not in front of me anyway. Amazing. And I I thought of it. And I was like, you know, you're so right. And since then, I've never called it a journey. Um, Journey is something romantic. A journey is something that you set off um, of your own volition.
0: Yeah, it's like the love canal.
2: It's... (laughs) Yeah, yeah. It's like something, you know, with your agency and with, with foresight and with a plan, you set off on this magnificent, you know, path, you know, cancer is not like that. Cancer just shows up at your door and tells you to march this way. And it's a forced march. You can't, unless you decline treatment, there's no choices. There are no choices. You just go down this hallway and you hope for the best. And that is it. It's very straightforward. So, um, you know, there's no, and also you're, you're caught up in, in the healthcare, um, uh, world, which has its own rhythm. It's, it has its own, um, cadence and and beat that you that you have to dance to so you it's there's there's very very Mm. little opportunity for you to say oh you know what you guys I just don't feel like doing the stem cell transplant tomorrow can we bump it for a long time I'm having a bad day I'm I'm stressed out about it I'd like to talk
0: yeah I'd like to talk to someone.
2: Can't we talk about clowning instead? You know, like there's not a, there's just, and so you're, you know, you're in the system suddenly, and then the system tells you where to show up at what time, how often, how many drugs to take. I mean, the medications alone are ludicrous and it's, it's almost clownish. You know, it's, it's very funny. I remember, um, and tell me if I'm babbling too much, but I just this is one of my favorite anecdotes, but I remember very early on. Uh, I think it was last July. Um, Neil, my partner Neil, who's just been incredible, by the way, um, yeah. and not enough is uh, attention is is being um, paid to caregivers. I'll just float that out there because yeah. uh, they they are carrying a, a burden that that is invisible from for the most part they're being seen as you know heroes and you're doing so well but it's very complex what they're going through so anyway um but i remember neil um early on he he kind of uh volunteered to kind of you know step up and, and figure the whole pharmacy bit out You know, because and so he went to the pharmacist and said you know i'm her life partner can you, can you tell me about these medications? And then I'll, you know, I'll tell her. So that was great. And they, they, they sat him down. I, I joined him for the last part of the conversation. And already on the, on the counter were more than 21 different medications. Oh my God. So he'd already been sitting there for about 40 minutes learning about each one every side effect when to take it during the day on an empty stomach on a full stomach um, don't take this medication directly after that medication make sure they're spaced out by four hours by six hours by eight hours like it was it was I, I started laughing I just, like you know me so well this I, is a clown I, turn that it you was would a make really right and uh,
0: yeah I'm Fu just, is Fu is the pharmacist <laughs> right.
2: And I just started laughing, and I said, "Oh, what are you gonna do? You're gonna pull out another medication?" And she does, you know. <laughs> so, and the, the pharmacist was a bit, um, a bit taken aback.
0: Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, and, they get a lot of reactions, I'm I sure, know. but maybe that one's not su- maybe super not, common. Maybe not super common, but but uh, I, <laughs> I remember
2: thinking, "Wow, we're like I'm inside a clown show right now."
0: Like this, we're all inside a be, clown show. And we're all inside a clown show. But,
2: you know, there's yeah. a part of your brain that kind of goes, you know, this must be a cosmic joke. Like, this must, this can't be real. This can't be happening. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. you know, that, that was my experience early on. And then, you know, you're so swept up with the experience of being a cancer patient suddenly and everything that, that's involved in that, that you don't have time to reflect. And now that I'm in temporary remission now is probably one of the worst times for us in terms of like um, our emotional state um, because we have the luxury of time to really look back and, and realize what happened last year and realizing yeah. you know what's to come and it's very it's a sobering time i have to
0: say mm. You know, I just, thinking about what you were saying about um, the warrior narrative, it's like saying, like, this person lost their battle with the struggle of life. Yeah. <laughs> like, you don't say people, when they die, lost their battle with life. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, Yeah, and oh, and they failed at life because they died.
2: <laughs> yeah, and it's mostly the warrior metaphor, the, 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 um, that, that sort of battle metaphor, it, it, it mostly happens with cancer. You know, you don't hear people saying, you know, of someone who died of a massive coronary, you don't hear them saying, you know, they, they lost the battle with the heart, you know? Yeah. It,
0: or mental illness. You can hear it with suicide. Yeah. yeah, You hear that
2: too. And for me with, with cancer, um, from my perspective, it's not a fair fight. No. <laughs> you know, it's no, it's like so to say that nothing, you lost it's like yeah. you weren't good enough. That's bullshit. Well, yeah. yeah, and also there's I'm doing everything I can to stay well as I can and I'm I'm a compliant client. I've done everything that's been asked of me. Um I've I've ticked all the boxes. I've done the self-care route. I continue to self-care. Um so, you know, in terms of medications, in terms of physical well being, in terms of rehab, in terms of um psychosocial well being, I've I've ticked every box. I'm still gonna die of it. So, you know, does that make me a loser? No. You know, it's ridiculous. So, um, you know, and and even even things like um, you know, I, I think I just I feel a little uncomfortable when people say I'm being really brave because I don't yeah. really know what what that is either. Um, I remember Neil saying, well, you are brave because, you know, you're, you know what's coming up and you're facing it anyway. And that's courage. And I, and, and that was the only time that that word made sense. Like it's the word still complicated though. Yeah. Brave. Yeah. I think I'm still a little ambivalent about it. It's nice to hear that people think that I'm, one thing I'm proud of myself um, of is, is that I, I am facing it. I'm, I'm not in denial that I've, and I've chosen to be very public about it. So those yes. of you that aren't on Facebook with me, you're welcome to be my friend on Facebook, by the way. But uh, <laughs> um, my Facebook friends know how open I've been. Um, and I think that was uh, very, very early on. I, I figured, you know what, it's, it's much better um, for me in terms of how to process this to be really open and honest. And, <clears throat> and you know, I don't want to be, I don't want to have a friend not know, you know. And so if I just kind of whisper it to a few friends, word's going to get out anyway. I'm in show business. So, you know, yeah. much better to, to just, you know, just be very honest and open about it.
0: Well, it feels like an extension of your clowning. It's a very different delivery system, but clown's about sharing yourself too. And yeah, yeah. Sh- Sharing your perspectives in life, and uh, I have a question: Did they have the clowns come to you now that you're on the other side of healthcare? No, uh,
2: I was trying to figure out a way to have some of my colleagues visit me in clown mm. as therapy clowns at Princess Margaret, but it wasn't allowed. And you're in such isolation. Yeah, you're, you know your immunity is so is yeah. so fragile that only like only the the people in your healthcare circle your Your circle of care. So that would be my mother and Neil. Um, they were, they were really the, the few that could, that could visit. I did have, uh, it opened up a little bit where pre COVID I was able to have, um, some friends visit me in hospital, um, to give Neil a break and that was much needed and much appreciated, but, but that was only three friends. So I, I really kept, kept things, um, quite, quite limited, um, because you just, you, you, you can't afford to catch
0: anything. You can't yeah. even afford to catch a cold. How do you, uh, how do you relate to the notion of hope? <laughs> now we come to it. I, I know. <laughs> I, I knew we talked to you. I mean, there's a million things to talk about. But yeah. Yeah. No, it's, it's great. I, I mean, I, I have a very complicated relationship with that word.
2: Um, uh, what does hope mean? mean for me now you know it, it means something um a lot lot different than what it did a year ago um so you know when your life threatened you um i think i i honestly have to say i really haven't given hope too much thought because yeah. it's it's a bit painful but i mm-hmm. i uh uh do i have do i have um, hope that, uh, that one day there will be a cure. Sure. I mean, eventually things get found out. Do I have hope that it's going to happen within my very tight timeline of four years? No, not really. Um, do I have hope and faith in the system that, you know, that has been able to, uh, save my life thus far? Yeah, for sure. Like I've, Mm -hmm. I, it's been amazing. Like when I was diagnosed, they gave me seven months to live without treatment. So I already have, thanks to modern medicine, you know, it's already saved my life. Um, That gave me a lot of hope to live yet another year and then another year. So, um, but yeah, it's a, it's an interesting word. To be honest with you, I think I'm going to be really honest. I think that I've, I've been, I've been tucking that word away (laughs) and, uh, and I haven't been facing that word because, um, because it's so tricky and because it sounds a bit Pollyanna tiny bit. And, uh, and I, you know, to the degree that I've been trying to face this thing honestly and unflinchingly, um, the word hope just doesn't seem to to really have uh, much much of a a place
0: in my yeah, heart. Yeah, much
2: use. Much use. It's not very useful, yeah. but uh, I can see why it's a very very powerful word for my you know the my family and my friends and you know uh, I I I understand that 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 word needs to be. Um, used by them and and that is great if that if that is helpful to them uh i just don't share it you know so or at least i don't share it right now you know maybe i'll feel differently in four years when i'm already beating the odds you know maybe that will give me hope maybe maybe hope will will uh feature very um, prominently, a year from now, I just don't know. But right now, it's yeah. it's kind of a word that's just dangling there.
0: <laughs> Flopping well, around. To, sorry to bring it back. No, it's fine. It's fine. I I knew I knew what podcast I was <laughs> coming up for, and well, I was excited it's got the about the H word, so I can always pivot to make it about honesty or no, something. No, 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 no.
2: I love it. I love I love that because it's because it's all a part of what I'm trying to do, which is you know face up to it, you know, and, and, uh, that's one of the words that I really need to face up to and, and react to or for or against or whatever.
0: Well, right now I'm really sad. (laughs) Oh, it just happens, you know, of course. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's just bizarre. It's weird because right now I feel so strong. Like if you yeah. were, I mean, you and I will, will get together in a park sometime soon. And, but it's, it's just so weird to feel this well. Like I haven't been feeling this healthy for a year. So I'm, yeah. I'm feeling yeah. strong. I'm, my cognition is back. You know, yeah. I was, you know, chemo does a number on you. Yeah. In,
0: including you've heard of chemo brain.
2: It's a real thing. Like well, your brain my goes mother, foggy. Well, my mother and
0: aunt, I lost both of them to cancer, so. Right. Yeah. Yeah.
2: And, uh, you know, it, so you know, it's it's just... It's horrible. Yeah. It's it's a, <laughs> it's a terrible, fucker. terrible fucker of a disease. And, yeah. But it, it teases you, too, because the medications can make you feel so well um, for a period of time. And so... You know, my
0: big aim this summer is I, I've, I've named it the summer of fun. Yeah, I know. <laughs> and but that's I, what I mean. Like, we wouldn't yeah. see each other that much because we'd both be working more. We would be working so hard. And, and we'd be uh, working all the time. All the time. Mm. So,
2: COVID's allowed, COVID and this disease have both allowed me to slow down um, without, without guilt, you know? <laughs> <laughs> a workaholic yeah. always feels guilty when they're not working. So I,
0: uh, I absolutely understand. <laughs> yeah, I know you do.
2: Yeah, and uh, so it's it's kind of it's it's a great thing to be able to have that ability to press pause on your life without the guilt, and you know. Um,
0: but you're not pressing pause on your life. Actually, you're pressing play. Aww. Right? Nice. You're pressing pause on work.
2: I'm pressing pause your life, on my work. And I'm saying
0: this to myself as much right. as you.
2: It's so, so important to remind yourself of that, right? That I'm so much more than my work. But I my work has been wrapped up with my identity for so long. I mean, it's interesting, too, because, you know, I'll be in an appointment somewhere at Princess Margaret. And the topic of work will come up. And I'll say, I really, really miss clowning in the hospital and, and connecting yeah. with my clients. It's it's like a heart hurt. Like my heart hurts. Yeah. And the response that I get is, oh, but it's I bet it's nice to take a break. And
0: I'm like, <laughs> You're like How listen you to me. really don't
2: understand <laughs> where I'm coming from because, because I am a clown. It's not just something I kinda do. It's like it's so wrapped up yeah. with yeah. who <laughs> Helen is. Which is good and not so great, right? Yeah. Because I'm sort of learning who this new Helen is um, as a person with a disability. And uh, and I like her. Like, I, I'm getting to know her. And I, I like the fact that she can watch Netflix for four hours, unflinchingly.
0: Yeah. <laughs> it's a new Helen, you know? And then when you, you do those things... You feel what it does to you to yeah. take care of yourself.
2: Yeah, yeah. And yeah. reconnecting with nature has been just been key. It's been key. Yeah. So, yeah, I think uh, this summer is going to be the summer of fun slash nature. And, you know, we're just going to do everything we can to be in nature and, you know, connect with, you know, disconnect from devices and just be in the world and... Just appreciate things, and I'm—I've become yeah. so appreciative of my friends, of my family, um, of my community. I've been really, really lucky—like yeah. very, very lucky, very fortunate person, and and very privileged person. And I and I understand um, just how lucky i I've I've been. Um, so. Gratitude is a huge part, and I, it's not to be Pollyanna about any of this stuff, but I, no. it's just so nice to feel so grateful. Um, I'm just yeah, I've so been feeling grateful. that, too.
0: Yeah, yeah. It really That's gets something. me, actually. And, you know, also, yeah. we've been talking a really long time now. I'm a mess, and I don't want to let you off the line and, like... Anyway,
2: (laughs) you know, we can make this the longest podcast interview in the history of the world. (laughs)
0: Yeah, I just don't. I just don't want to let you go. Oh, I know. (laughs) I know. Do you?
2: I'm sorry I upset you, honey.
0: Don't be sorry. I get upset really easily. And it's also it fucking sucks. Yeah. Yeah. It's a bitch. You didn't upset me, Helen. It fucking just sucks. It does
2: suck. Yeah.
0: Well, okay. (laughs) <laughs> where can people find you online? <laughs> um, I have a website, Helen Uh,
2: I'm on Facebook, Helen Donnelly. Um, if you want to learn about, uh, Red Nose Remedy, it's
0: rednoseremedy.ca. remedy.ca.
2: Uh, those are, those are the main ones.
0: Um, you said that you're having some financial issues. Do you have anything set up where people can just send you money?
2: There is a GoFundMe, um, uh, uh, effort that that Neil started last year, and it's it's just been a lifeline. So it's and it's uh, still going. Yeah, it's. Um, you would think I'd know the name of it? I think well, it's called Let's Help Helen Fight Cancer. I think that's the name of it.
0: Well, I'll um, find it and I'll post a link. Oh, thank attached you. Attached all yeah. this because it's something that we're learning right now. Like you know, wealth has not been distributed properly, and it, and it's not taking the systems we have are not taking care of people properly. On many le- many levels, yeah, yeah, it's
2: it's it's a beast, and it's you know, um, o- ODSP is is a part of the lifeline, but it's it's less than half of what Serb is. Like I'm I know, only getting nine hundred a month, so it's it's tricky, right, to live in a very expensive city and and not be
0: able to to uh, to pay everything. So it's also really disturbing to have the. Prime Minister of the country um, apologizing to middle class Canadians, telling them that he's sorry that they're only getting two thousand dollars a month when uh, people on disabilities have never been have never been given even half that. That's right. Uh, that really, really made me angry. Yeah, I, you know, I'm
2: still, I'm still, um, I'm, I'm hopeful that CERB will be extended again. But it, it's scary for a lot of my art, artistic friends. But you don't out
0: qualify there. for CERB because you're on disability. That's, That's ludicrous. Right. That's it's right. disgusting.
2: Yeah. Yeah. It's so, one so. Or the other. and and because the reason for my disability wasn't because of CERB, Was, oh, sorry, wasn't because of COVID. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, it's it's tricky stuff. But yeah, the GoFundMe has been a, a, literally a lifeline um, because, you know, some. Some months have been, you know, lift rides to and from the hospital daily. You know, that alone is a thousand bucks right there. Um, And then, you know, you still have to pay your rent and feed yourself. Yeah, you have
0: to live your life. And you also deserve a bottle of wine when the doctors say you can have one again.
2: Yeah. And he just did. (laughs) I know, I saw. (laughs) Did you see that? Yeah. Yeah. I think it was last Wednesday. I just sort of, (laughs) just kind of, we were on the phone about another. Matter, and I said, "By the way, <laughs> apropos of nothing else, am I allowed to imbibe in a glass of wine now and then?" And he said, "Quality of life, Helen. Yes, you're allowed to. <laughs> you know, we've cleared you for 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 that, and yeah, so we've cleared
0: you been... for public park drinking, which now I guess you can do in Toronto,
2: <laughs> right? I'll become that person.
0: <laughs> I mean, I like this new Toronto. Anyway, yeah. Okay, I'm gonna say goodbye now, and um, we'll talk." it'll be it'll be see you soon because i know we will see you
2: soon my parkdale friend
1: thank Thank you.
2: you for having me on so much for talking to me it was a pleasure okay see you soon right
0: H-Word Podcast is produced by me, Becky Johnson from Parkdale in Toronto. Artwork this week by Ian Phillips and our theme music is always by Laura Barrett. For information on all our artists and guests, please follow us everywhere at the H-Word Pod or sign up for our newsletter at the hwordpod.com.